Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is a production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Here's our pastor, Brad Miles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the First Things First podcast. Uh, glad to be back with you. We were on a little bit of a hiatus, and then we started back uh, started back last week, and then we're excited to get back in uh, this week. Uh, this on this podcast, as you know, every week we have amazing, interesting, exciting people. Who, uh, but my favorite part of uh, of the podcast is that these amazing, exciting, interesting people may be your next door neighbors. And, uh, and so I think that's the, the best part of it. Today, though, today though we actually have an international man of mystery with us today. So my guest today has lived uh, literally all over the world, is a world traveler, and, uh, and, uh, and, and is also a, a member of our church, a faithful servant in our church. Doug, have you been a member like six years? Is that right? Is that what we talked about? Yeah, August 2016, almost seven. Okay, almost seven years. So Doug Taylor is my guest today. Many of you, uh, if you if you are a part of First Shallow Water and you're listening to this podcast, then you know Doug and Majel. You have been around them. They are faithful servants and volunteers in our church. They they lead our Encore ministry. Uh, Doug uh, and Majel both have uh, done uh, leadership, all kinds of different leadership things in our church. Uh, Majel teaches a Bible study. I mean, we've got all kinds of... All kinds of awesome things that uh, that Doug and and Majel uh, do for our church, and so so I'm excited to have Doug with me here today, and excited to hear uh, about all the stuff that God has done and is doing in your life. But why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? What are some things that everybody needs to know about Doug Taylor? Well, I'm going to start off by saying, as, as I talk, your opinion is going to go down because Brad built me up way too high. <laughs> <laughs> so so with that. Uh, you know, I was raised in in what I would call a Christian home. Uh, yeah, I think church has been part of my life since I was born. Yeah, uh, you know the yeah. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and any other time the doors were open. That was our that was our experience. Mm-hmm. So there was never a time I wasn't involved in some way in church. Right. We were allowed to miss Sunday nights once a year. <laughs> my granddad had a little ranch, and we worked cows one Sunday a year. Once, and and yeah. on that Sunday, we were too dirty to go to church. Right. On yeah. Sunday evening, so yeah. so we got one Sunday off, and I got to watch Bonanza. Then I was excited. <laughs> that was the, the one time you got to watch it. That's awesome. So so you know, in, in, with that with that in the background, uh, I would part of my testimony is I had what I call a perfect childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't imagine my childhood been any better. Uh, yeah, living out in the country on a farm, playing with horses and cows, and yeah. fishing and hunting, and you know that was just childhood. And no and knowing unconditional love, my parents there was never a question in my mind. Right. That I was loved. Yeah. Now, that led some problems. Yeah. I was not one of those kids that said, I'm going to please him. Right. I was one of those kids that said, I'm going to please Doug Taylor. Yes. Yeah. And uh, many, so, many of us have been those kids. That, so, hey, where did you grow up? Did you say that? Where, where? Well, I, I grew up, you know, er, the early years, the really early years of the uh, Four Corners area. Dad worked for El Paso for a few years yeah, out okay. in the Four Corners area. I lived on a little Indian reservation, Chaco Indian reservation. Uh-huh. Uh, really young then, probably up to five or six. Yeah. Then Independence, Kansas, Southeast Kansas. Okay. Uh, till I was eighteen and got married. Okay. Actually met Majel there, so yeah. p- that's that's part of the story. Actually. Okay. Yeah. I'm so, I'm sorry. You know. I just wanted to. I didn't know about that. So you're on a farm, growing up on a farm out near Independence, Kansas. Out in the middle of nowhere. Out yes. There. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, people know that is sort of because it's kind of north of Tulsa. Yes. But uh, anyway, back back to the the story of of of, uh, of my of my life when I was. 
attending church all the time. Now, mm-hmm. we didn't attend a Baptist church. We went to Assembly of God. Yeah. Uh, I'm a multi-denominational type guy. Yes, yeah. Uh, in my background. the uh, About 13, uh, the pastor preached a message, and his son was our Bible school, our Sunday school class teacher. Yeah, okay. And uh, it struck me that, you know, I know about God. Right. I know the stories. I mean, we, we had the Old Testament down pat. Sure, yeah. But uh, I don't know God personally. Yeah. I know about him. And it struck me, I need to get to know, on a personal basis, Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. I was 13, I think, was the year. Yeah. And I accepted Christ my Savior. Went down one Sunday night to the altar down down front and right. prayed and accepted Christ my Savior. And and but unconditional love still hampered my growth because I understood God loved me too. Yes, which means yeah. He'd forgive me when I messed up. And I still wanted to please Doug more, and I wanted to please God sometimes. Right, right. Still battle with that a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, we all do. Yeah. So you know that, that is still part of my life, not as big a part as it used to be. Thank goodness. Uh-huh. Yeah. But. Uh, that, a few years later, we changed churches, went to a Pentecostal Holiness Church. Okay, all right. That's, that's where I met my wife. Yeah. I think I was about 15 when I met her, and 16 when we had our first date. Oh, wow. And uh, 18, we got married, both of us. Okay. I think nine days after I turned 18, Yeah. <laughs> to be precise. <laughs> uh, my dad would not sign the marriage certificate, and you had to be 18 to buy one yourself. Yes, okay. Or I'd got married earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've been together almost 48 years now. So all right. that is who Doug Taylor is. I'm, I'm a... Child of God. Yep, I'm a child who under, understands unconditional un, unconditional love. Yeah, and battled with some of the problems that brings. Quite honestly, that right. when you know it real well, you you're sometimes easy to sin when you know you shouldn't because yeah. you know forgiveness comes. Yeah, uh, so that's that's been a, a struggle I've gotten over largely, but it's been there part of my life. Yeah, uh, but you know that that's part of the early days. Uh, Grew up on a farm, like I said, and had a, had a blast. Yeah, yeah. So how many kids do you guys have? Uh, my wife and I have four kids. Four kids. Uh, and in fact, the first one was born a year and seven days after we got married. Okay. <laughs> you guys didn't waste any time. So, you know, I, Major and I can testify that birth control don't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were that 1% where, forget it. That's right, the 1%. You know, we, we, we talked before we got married. We said we're going to have four kids. Right. And uh, the, th- the fourth one, we said, let's have one now. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going to plan one of you. Yeah. <laughs> so we tell our youngest child, we planned you. The others, right. the others yeah. just happened. Everybody else just came whenever you know, the Lord wanted them they, to. They came in spite of us trying not to have them. Yeah. So boy, how many boys, how many girls? Two, two boys, two girls. The boys are on the ends. The girls are in the middle. In the middle. All, uh, right. All right. Two of them are married. Uh, two aren't. We're kind of, we talk to God sometimes when we have two grandkids. Right. <laughs> We'd like to have eight or nine eight or, or nine. ten yeah yeah you know we, we feel like we're entitled but you that's know, right that's we right. have to trust god on that don't we you sure do yeah and they live they live here in the lubbock area okay well three of them do now their youngest son has started off on a new adventure he's going to try to be an rv tech working in, R- in rv parks around the, the nation he wants to see the u.s he grew up overseas sure yeah so he knows almost nothing about u.s culture right yeah He's a true third culture kid in his own country. Yeah, right. And is the the other kids? How how? Uh, well, I mean, you're probably going to get to that part of the story. So uh, I'll uh, I'll hold off on that. But so you came came to Christ at the age of 13. That's whenever you understood that you needed a relationship yep. with God. You understood grace, right? You understood that that He was offering you grace, and you understood yep. forgiveness, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, but. Uh, but still, we're learning about lordship, right? Yes, Is that yes. fair? And still am to some extent. Uh, yeah, well, and it's kind of a, a, a journey. But yep. but Jesus being the Lord of your life right. and submitting all all of your desires, all of your hopes, plans, dreams, yep. submitting those to Him, 
that was a little bit of a challenge when you were younger and kind of got less as you got older. Is that a fair way to say? Yeah, it? I think I, I'm, as I matured, it got less and less of an issue. And you know, yeah, you know, grace grace teaches you how to live the right life. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that. So sure. it took a while to grace to get me over some of my unconditional love problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the fact I have it, but uh, but you know, it's uh, it took a while to. To come to, rec- to come to realize that having that doesn't mean it's freedom to sin. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And Paul, you know, writes about that. So should I? Should I just go on sinning? Yeah. Or is it even more? And, and we know the answer is no. God forbid. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But but I think I think there there's a a period of time I, I'll never forget when I was a little kid, we were overplaying, you know, with these other couple of kids, you know, and we had been telling these kids about Jesus for a long time, and they they you know, kind of, you know, who knew where they were, you know, I think one of them prayed to receive Christ with, with us, you know, with me and my brother. Um, but anyway, we were out there hanging out with him and one day, and he was like, he was like, so does God, will God forgive me if I, if I do something wrong? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he was like, so how do I, you know, and I said, all you have to do is ask, you just go to him and ask him, you know, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. Would you please forgive me? He's like, okay. And then I saw him, literally, he bowed his head and he prayed. And then he took a big thing of snuff and stuck it in his lip. <laughs> I was like, that's, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, that, that was a real, that was a real fun. Yeah. Fun well, I guess a bit more of my story. I got, I think I was about 16 when I got baptized in, okay. in Burgess River in, 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 outside Independence, Kansas. Yeah. So out, out in the river, not in, not in the church building, baptized uh-huh. by a Pentecostal Holiness pastor. Yeah. Okay. The same pastor who married Majel and I a couple of years later. All right. Awesome. Uh, so so we, we got married, and like I said, a year and a half later, BJ comes along, our oldest son. Sure. And uh, my grandmother, I decided I wasn't going to college. Okay. Because I had a wife and a kid. And, right. And I was 19 years old. And yeah, yeah. I'd actually graduated high school at 16, so I was. Oh, okay. I had two years of junior college under my belt. Okay, that's when right. I got married. I got, in fact, we got married the night I graduated from junior college. Okay. <laughs> uh, free, free, free at last, you know. Yeah, yeah. You guys were in a hurry, man. That's uh, awesome. Out of school and time, time to time to get on with life. Right, right. So anyway, uh, my grandmother talked, kept talking to me. You know, Doug, you need to go to school now. I right. was, I would been, I would be the first male in the family from all the all the grandkids and cousins and everyone to consider going to university. I had an uncle who was a teacher. Yeah. So I knew nothing about college. Right. It wasn't part of our family. It wasn't part of our history. Yeah. We didn't do it. We went to work. Yeah. Uh, that was, I grew up on a farm. That was life. That's how you uh, did it. Yeah. You know, we got married young because that was what people did back then. Uh-huh. You know, that they grew up on farms. They got married young. Yeah. That was just, that was just history. So about uh, 19 years old, my grandson, no, you need to go to college, Doug. So I applied to go to school at Oral Roberts University. Okay. Yeah. In, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, and uh, they accepted me. They said, we're going to accept you, but it's going to be hard because you've got a wife and a kid. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it was hard. Yeah. And I spent three years getting through that uh, yeah. school. And we went to various, various churches in that time. You know, that's probably the time that we went to church least in our life, believe it or not. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then it wasn't. Young kids. You know, you've yeah. got a young, you've got a young baby, you've got college, you've got full time working, you know, trying yeah. to put yourself through. That's rough. That's rough. So anyway, so 1979 comes along and I'm graduating and I had a job offer from, from ConocoPhillips mm-hmm. and from a few other companies, a couple of big accounting firms back when there were eight of them. Yeah. I think there's four now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've shrunk or grown or whatever. Yeah. But uh, the offer from ConocoPhillips was lower than any of the other offers I had. Right. And not just a little bit, but substantially. Uh-huh. 
And yet I kept thinking, God is telling me this is a job to accept. Hmm. So it, you have some time to accept jobs, but you know, when they give you an offer, they give you a month or so to say yes or no usually. Sure. So I had three or four I was looking at, and uh, we prayed about it, Major and I prayed, because I said, I think God's telling me to take this offer, but I'm going to have a kid. Yeah. And another kid on the way at that stage. Right, yeah. You know, Patricia was born in, in November. Uh-huh. Uh, so we had, you know, I was worried about the finances. Yeah. I, had, I had a family to support. And it was like $150 less per month than the other offers, which doesn't sound like a huge amount. But in 1979, that was, was a fair a amount of, of change. Yeah, it was a lot of money. So we prayed about it, and we talked to my parents. They prayed with us about it. My, I, like I said, I grew up in a Christian family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the Bible. We talked about God. We prayed with it together. That was not unusual. Yeah. And the guy said, Major, God is saying Con- Conical Phillips is where you're going to work at. Uh-huh. So I accepted the, that position, and we moved to Ponca City, Oklahoma. Yeah. And attended an Assembly of God Church. Pon- Ponca City. Now, is that where the, is that where the what's that lady's name? No, that's Pahuska. That's Pahuska. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The, what's her? Who is that? The Pioneer Woman. Pioneer or something Woman. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is. That's Pahuska. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm wrong. Yeah, that's, you're, 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 yeah. That's, that's where it's at. But anyway, Conoco was that's, that was her headquarters, sort of at the time for for most of their their operations that were in the states as far as office people. Right. My degree is in accounting, by the way. That was I was yeah. an accounting major, and uh, so that was the first time I would say that we really. I really trusted God for a major, major decision, other than salvation, which is, of course, the big one. Sure. But that was the first time we said, put aside what we thought looked better, uh-huh. and, and decided we'd just take what God was offering as His best. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, we didn't think, it didn't look that way for about 10 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, my cousins who hadn't went to school and hadn't uh, got married young and hadn't done all lots of other things, they, they were all buying new houses and new cars, and I was sure. trying to find a 1920 pickup yeah. that ran. <laughs> You know, so so it looked like a stupid decision for a long time. Yeah, and then in 1987, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll step back to 1981. Uh, my boss called me in his office and said, "Doug, I'm, I'm going to send you to Houston for an interview." Okay. He said, "They're going to interview about positions overseas." Mm. Now I grew up on a farm, and I'd told my wife before we got married, "Meat and potatoes, all I need. We're not traveling." Yeah, I right. was a kid. I mean, we were we were kids together, but yeah. That's the way kids act. They have stupid things they say. <laughs> and that was a really stupid thing for me to say because they send me off to Houston. Yeah. He doesn't tell me why I'm going. Uh-huh. I get down there and I go into the manager's office and he says, uh, we have a position in Dubai. I say, what? Right. He said, Dubai. I say, where's that? Yeah, yeah. He said, well, it's in the Middle East. Uh, okay, my geography's weak. Where's that? <laughs> uh because we learned about Kansas history. We didn't learn about world history That's much. right. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, so he says, so we talked about Dubai, and he talked about the jobs they had there, and it was a finance position. And then he sent me back to, to uh, Ponca City for my real job, the one that paid, they paid me to do. Yeah. And I didn't get that job, and I, the boss called me, and he said, now, I want you to understand something. He said, I didn't send you down there because you were eligible for that job. Mm-hmm. I sent you down there so you'd know that it was in your future, maybe. Okay, cool. Because I wanted you to start thinking about possibilities outside what you know right now. Boy, that's a good boss, you know? So it, it was. I, I, I don't think I had a bad boss at Conoco, yeah. in all honesty. They were all, they were all really good people. They weren't all godly people. They were all sure. good people. Yeah. And there's a difference. You know yeah. that. So anyway, uh, 1987, they, I was in the cor- corporate accounting group, and they, sent, they moved the whole function to Houston. Mm-hmm. And Houston was our first international assignment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Houston is so different from Ponca City or Independence oh, or... Yeah. Or the four corners of the world, you know, it's, it's a, it is, you know, Houston. Yeah. So we call that our first international assignment. 
And we being good Assembly of God or Pentecostal Holiness churchgoers, we started looking for an Assembly of God or Assembly or Pentecostal Holiness church we could attend in the area. And we went to one. Well, God said no. Uh-huh. And we were praying, God, we won't take us to the church we're to attend. And we found a really good, charismatic Baptist church. Yeah, yeah. And we started going there, and we attended the membership classes. And I think there were six six nights, six classes, an hour each, so six hours of membership classes. Yeah. And we were, man, we were excited. We loved the church. We loved the people. And uh, we're going to join this church. Uh-huh. The sixth night comes along, or the sixth, it's actually daytime classes. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and God says, this is not where you're going to serve us at. Me at. This is not your church. <laughs> I said, come on, God, we love this place. We love the people. They love us. We're, sure. We fit in here. They're our kind of people. Uh-huh. He said, you won't serve me here. This isn't where you're supposed to serve me. And I looked over at Majel, and she looked at me, and she said the same thing. God said, this isn't it. Our oldest son said, this isn't it. Wow. So we say, well, this isn't it, so we'll find another one. Uh-huh. So we go back to our house, and we're praying, God, where are we going to serve you at? Where are you, you going to let us become be, be your children at? We, we need a community. Yeah. We can't do this by ourselves. Uh-huh. So he, he said, well, just wait. And Majel met someone on the, on the street corner. We lived at a cul-de-sac, and a neighbor said, have you considered this little church here in the neighborhood? And that's when we become big fans of neighborhood churches. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, hadn't. we hadn't. It was a Baptist church. Uh-huh. And it wasn't just any Baptist church, but independent Bible Baptist church. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I know we'd, we'd never even heard of them. Uh-huh. And you got to understand, I came, Assembly of God, Pentecostal Holiness, and to go to a Baptist church, my family is going to disown me. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was a big, that was a pretty <laughs> that was, big that, leap. That, that was a big, big change for them. And, and to uh, go to independent Bible Baptist church must have felt like even like, further of a leap. Well, you know, and, and we didn't have a clue. What, what it was. We right. just said, we just knew God was saying, this is where you're going to serve me. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, we don't know why yet. Uh-huh. But, uh, so we, we started attending church and, you know, the Tuesday night, the pastor knocks on the door and he visits for an hour and we had a great visit and he uh-huh. went away. And the next Tuesday night, the associate pastor knocks on the door. Yeah. And we have a good visit and he goes away. And the next Tuesday night, the youth pastor knocks on the door. Yeah. Now, by then, by now we have four kids. Okay. Yeah. One of my kids was born in Fredonia, Kansas. The other three in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. So the youth pastor knocks on the door because we have kids are in almost youth program age at that age. Yeah. And uh, he, he visits for a while and he goes away. And we're, we're attending the church all along. And, and as we visit, we tell them, you know, we are not Baptist. Right. That's not our background. We don't know. We don't know. Other than your doctrine of faith, we don't know what you believe. Sure. We, we, don't, we don't know the culture. We don't know who you are. Uh-huh. And you don't know who we are, except that we tell you honestly we're Assembly of God and Pentecostal Holiness background. Yeah. But we're not here to change you. We're here to learn from you. Right. We're here to serve serve God here. Uh-huh. And uh, we're not asking for any special favors. We're not going to try to talk about the things about the Holy Spirit that trouble the Baptist Church in some type places. Yeah. We're not going to talk about those things. Yeah. Uh, but we want to learn, and we'll, we'll want to serve. So we'll clean, we'll clean restrooms if that's all, yeah. all you'll let us do. Sure. Because God said this is where we're supposed to go. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, at that, at that church, you had to be baptized in their church to, to join. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, they had to baptize you, or yeah. you had to be baptized as an independent Bible Baptist. Right. And neither one of us felt like being baptized. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have any trouble with their doctrinal statements. I mean, we, they, were, sure. they, were, they were general enough and broad enough that I could, I could accept them. Mm-hmm. But you um, had been baptized. You had I, be, after you became a Christian, you had been baptized, and so... 
as had in my your mind that that's that is that would that's not necessary as had my wife right and for me I, I oh I could be baptized again it wouldn't matter too much to me but for Majel it was a big deal Majel sure. did not grow up in church yeah Majel was 14 or 15 when she became a Christian was uh-huh. baptized at 16 I think yeah and uh, for her it was this was a very sacred thing probably should have been more sacred for me than it was on all honesty right yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we said we we won't do that. We won't be rebaptized uh-huh. just so we can join your church. We don't have to join your church to serve God in your church. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so another six months or so went by. From that was probably eight or nine months altogether. Mm-hmm. As went by, and we go to church one morning, and they had a little little bulletins printed up that said they had changed their bylaws, and you could join by profession of faith and saying you've been baptized <laughs> by immersion after after salvation. Yeah, you know, after yeah. your salvation. And so we joined. So that was our. Uh, that was our uh, story of cha- of changing from Assembly of God, Pentecostal Holiness to Baptist. And you know, the biggest change for me was as I began to understand eternal security. Yes, because yeah. we grew up in a church that man, you better not sin before you have a car wreck. Right, right. <laughs> or you might wind up in the other place. Yes, yeah. And you know, e- eternal security is so important and so so good a concept to have. It's so freeing. Yeah. To know that your little mistakes aren't going to cost you your salvation. Uh, yeah, and for, if you're listening and you're wondering, <coughs> what is Doug talking about, eternal security? What does that mean? Um, it's, a, it's this belief that when we surrender our heart and our life to Christ, that the Holy Spirit then begins a work in us that God will be faithful to complete. And so, and so once we become a Christian, um, there's nothing that we can do that uh, can cause us um, to lose that salvation that God has given us when we, when we received Him in faith. And, uh, and so, uh, it's a, a most, most Baptist churches, that's a, that is a part of the teaching and the doctrine, um, of the church. And, uh, and I agree with you. I think really, uh, uh for me, really important. Um, and, and I think for me is because, you know, so when I was, when my father, my mother divorced whenever I was little, you know, and I didn't, I, I, I didn't. My, my relationship with my father was strained for most of my life. Like I didn't see him uh, very much, and and I didn't feel like he wanted me to be a part of his life. And so, so for me, there was always this. I always had this feeling like sooner or later, in all my relationships, the other shoe's going to drop, and they're going to figure out what a punk I am, and then I got to want to have me around, you know. And so I tended to think that way about God too. So my, apart from that understanding of eternal security and that. You know, when Paul says that, you know, what can separate us from the love of God, from the love of God, height, depth, you know, what could, you know, uh, nothing can separate us from it, you know. So that whole conversation uh, was so important for me because I understood that um, God wasn't going to get disgusted with me and walk away. And and I needed that yep. desperately. And I, and I know maybe someone out there is kind of the same way that me and you were. We needed to understand that, that we could rest in God's love, you know. Yeah, so, so I was about 31 at that stage, probably age-wise. Right. You know, that, well, that's, I've been a Christian for 18 years before sure. before that security became part of my reality. And, yeah. and that, that went a long way towards solving this dilemma about, you know, the the uh, God's love and, and grace and saying, you know, I, I still need God's grace and God's love, but I'm not going to lose it. I can't do anything to get rid of it. That's right. <laughs> it's mine forever. Yeah. So I, so I began to want to please God more, I guess, about then. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, became it became way more important to me. Huh? Yeah, it became a delight to to do that instead uh, of an obligation. Exactly, to do that. and, there, and yes. there's a big difference in, in how, how how easily it is for you to do the right thing when it becomes 
something you want to do instead of something you have to do. Right. Well, and I, you know, that's, look, this is true in any relationship that we have, Doug, right? So like in your relationship with Majel, I mean, there are, there are, there's a list of things that, um, that we know, right? Good husbands tend to do, right? Maybe, and, and, and every family probably it's a little bit different, but you know, there's, there's general things that husbands do in a family, right? Yes. You could, you could like be going through and checking off all those things on the list and doing all of those things. But if you're doing it out of a sense of obligation and not out of a sense of real joy in giving to your wife and giving to your family, then even though you're doing all the things outwardly that it would appear that a good husband does, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good husband at all. You know, there's uh, there's that sense of humility and service and delight that you take that that's what makes a meaningful and healthy relationship. And it's the same in our relationship with God. So that's a good word. Okay, well, we'll travel on through life, I guess, at this stage. Yeah, uh, okay. We were, we were in Houston about three and a half years, I think, is how long we lived there. And we attended this church, except for the first couple months, the whole time we the were there. The whole time, yeah. And, you know, this is where God suddenly opened our eyes to the fact that not everyone's like us. Right, yeah. There are different cultures out there. Uh-huh. Uh, well, and Houston is a melting pot, man. And, and our church, you wouldn't think in a little independent Bible Baptist church in a, in a nice little suburb in, in Katy. It was yeah. really Katy, Texas, not not Houston. Uh-huh. But they're one, kind of one and the same. Yeah, they're close. Uh, so anyway, multicultural, multi-denominational. People came from all over the place, this little church. Wow, yeah. And uh, it was it was fascinating. A little church, I say, 150 members. Uh-huh, Yeah. 150 attenders. I mean, there yeah. might be more members. That's about what attended on normal days. And we had lots of Cuban refugees, it turns out, in that church. Wow. And they started coming to our house for meals, and we got to visit with them and understanding that not everyone is like Doug Taylor from the farm in Kansas. That's right. And our eyes were kind of open. And then our church, our Sunday school class at church, a small group, I, it was Sunday school back then. Yeah, yeah. Our Sunday school class uh, was made up of a bunch of misfits. Yeah. You know, none of them had came from that community. Uh-huh. No one comes from Houston, I don't think. Everyone moves there for Everybody. work and then leaves. <laughs> as soon as they can. <laughs> so, so anyway, if you, if you love Houston, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, we had, you know, we had people who had been uh, selling heroin and got saved and quit. And, right. And uh, people who had been in cults in California and escaped and came to church and got to know Christ there. And, yeah. And the Cuban refugees and policemen and firemen and right. normal people and abnormal people like us. and. Uh-huh. And God just opened our eyes to the fact that it's a big world, and we need to understand more about it than what we did. Right. And so we we loved our time there, and, and you know we would still be there today if God hadn't moved us, probably. Right. Yeah. But I went to work one day, and uh, 1991 in April, I think it was. Uh huh. And my desk is in the hallway. Oh. <laughs> and my name is not on my door. <laughs> now that that probably struck a little bit of fear and, into your and, heart. And I had I'd had a pretty good appraisal couple months before that so I didn't figure I was getting fired but I had no idea what was happening right and I said I went into my boss's office still remember walking into Rochelle Munsell was her name uh-huh. she was one of my best bosses yeah I went into her office and I said Rochelle uh what's going on yeah yeah she said well I can't tell you but you're gonna like it when it happens <laughs> I said okay she said you're gonna get a phone call sometime this week I don't know when this was a Monday morning yeah. I don't know when but in the meantime you're gonna start training your replacement he'll be in your office later today okay so I sat there, I think it was still Wednesday, and the phone rings. And the guy says, "This." he gave me a name, I can't remember it, yeah. but uh, it's, that was a long time ago, yeah. by the way. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we, we had the conversation, and he, he said, uh, I'm going to offer you a position in Dubai. Yeah. So this is 
eight years after I interviewed uh-huh. to go overseas. And by now we had four kids and, you know, it, companies put kids in private schools overseas. Yeah. And that is like expensive. Very expensive, yes. So we'd, I'd given up on overseas ever happening and so had Majel. Yeah. It wasn't part of, you know, we have four kids and I'm going to send you overseas with four kids. Right. And uh, he said, we're gonna, you want to position in Dubai, we're offering you a job here. And I said, well, yes. It didn't take long to say yes because yeah. I'd been, we'd prayed about it. You know, we, we want this to happen. It was, you kind of felt like this is the direction that the Lord might lead yeah. you one day. We, we'd been talking about it since the interview in 1981. Yeah, yeah. You know, so 10 years. It sounded, it sounded good. You know, yeah. 10 years later, the, yeah. the, the, call, the call comes. And then, would you go to Dubai? Uh, so we said yes. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't know it at the time, but all those cultures, all those denominations, God was preparing us for Dubai. Right. We didn't know it because we'd given up on that dream. Yeah. We still talked about it and wanted it, but it wasn't going to happen. Right. Uh, so all of a sudden, we get the call, we're going to Dubai, and our oldest son says, well, we need some luggage, and we don't have luggage. <laughs> so we started selling everything we own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we had to buy luggage. We didn't have any money nor luggage. Right. <laughs> I was, we were still wondering, did I do the right thing by going to work for Conical, quite honestly? Right, yeah. And uh, we, were, we were trying to figure out how can we save enough money to take our kids to Disney World before they all graduate high school. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's where we were financially. Yeah. And uh, not that Conoco wasn't a great place to work, but I wasn't making much money. Sure. Compared to, to other folks. Yeah. So anyway, it was, that was the experience. So we go off to Dubai, and uh, all of a sudden, all that cultural training, all that, it doesn't matter what denomination you are, as long as you love Christ. Right. Matter, you know, it kind of a melting pot. Houston was a melting pot, and Dubai's a melting pot. Yeah. Especially in the community that you were in, because you were in probably an expat community, a lot of people from all over the world. We, we were in an expat community. Uh, the church was sort of in that community, but not quite. Right. Uh, the church was made up of a lot of Western expats uh-huh. and a lot of Indians and Pakistanis. Okay. Uh, Filipinos. Yeah. It, it wasn't just an expat church. It was a Baptist church, if you will. Sure. Internationally, uh, yeah, uh, they had a Baptist minister. Is what I'm saying. That's the, yeah. It, ba- Baptist Church internationally is a little. It's a little yeah. different animal, yeah. probably. But, yeah. but, but a Baptist pastor, and uh, and we loved it there. Yeah, and, and I, gave, I I I got a new name there in Dubai. Okay, my name became Mister Majel. Mister B. <laughs> That's 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 shockingly accurate. Yes. So so Mr. Majel, and that was because my wife became quote unquote, if you will, the the Sunday school superintendent for the church there. Cool. All right. And uh, in Dubai is the first time I ever went to the, the to the uh, police off the policeman's office. Okay. Uh, the pastor called me one night and said, Doug, they called me down to the police station. I needed to go with me. Oh man. And uh, he said, I don't know why they want me down there. Right. But he said, come on down. So. so now for context, can we just push pause? Because Dubai, obviously, largely, it's a Muslim country. 99.9% probably, yeah. Right. And uh, and uh, the laws there are pretty pretty restrictive as far as like proselytizing and stuff like, like proselytizing puts you in jail. Yes. Yeah. Sharing your share. So by proselytizing, what we, you know, sharing your faith, like trying to trying to share the love of Jesus with someone else in a way that that they would accept Christ as their savior that actually is a crime that could that for which you could end up in jail. So yes. so okay so so you guys have no idea what's going on but but you're probably not feeling really good about this. But but he wanted me to go with him because one I worked for Dubai Petroleum Company right. which, which was a government sponsored company. Yeah, and, and y'all had some clout and probably. we had we, we had 
well, we were there legally. Yeah. <laughs> to start with, we we had our we had, we were there legally. He might not have been. Right. I see. Yeah. But, but so anyway, we we had that going for us, and they uh-huh. probably weren't going to ship me out immediately. Right. And they might not throw me in prison. They might. But he wanted he wanted someone to go with him that would at least go tell his wife he wasn't coming home. Yes. Right. And it, it wasn't that bad. They they just wanted to know what we were doing. I think they weren't worried about the religion as much as they were are you are you up stirring up strife for us as a government. Right. Are you being political or not? Yes. Yeah. Uh, are you saying bad things about yeah, the yeah. exactly? Yeah. Right. So it was. Are you? It's not. It wasn't the spiritual realm they were worried about. It was their their rule in the in the country. Right. And uh, you know, our seven years in Dubai were great, but about three years in, maybe four, there was a big church issue going on. Uh-huh. You can imagine you had I don't know probably ten or twenty denominations in the church, right? And probably twenty twenty or thirty nationalities involved yeah. in the church, and they voted out the pastor. Oh. And he was he was a guy we loved him. He was he was he was a good pastor. He was a good man. And they did it when all the expats were out of town. Okay, all the uh, Western, all expats. the Western expats. Yeah, the, the yeah, all the Western expats were in meetings in in, the, in their home countries. Yeah, and they took advantage of that time and had a had a meeting and kicked him out. And I, you know, I came home mad. Yeah, and uh, thank goodness there was a good Christian brother there, another Western expat, a Conical Phillips employee actually. Uh-huh. That was a elder. He was an elder, if you will, in the church, and I was just I was a deacon. Yeah, and. Uh, we were talking together, and six or eight other of the expats that, did, that were kind of shocked this happened in our absence, no less. Yeah. And we were saying, well, we just need to start a new church. Right. And this guy, Gene Cornegay, said, uh, we need to stop and pray is what we need to do. Right, yeah. We don't need to make a decision today. We need to pray today. Mm, that's we, good wisdom. We, we need to pray for a week. Uh-huh. And then we need to get together and talk about what God's telling us. Right. Not what we think. Yeah. What so, is God saying? So we went away and we prayed for a week, maybe two weeks. I can't remember exactly how long, uh-huh. uh, but came back together and said, no, we don't need to start a new church. We mm-hmm. need to serve this church well. Yeah. And we need to bring a new pastor in and accept that God's, God's in God's providence, this is what's happened. Right. But splitting the church is not the answer. That is not the witness we want to have in this community. Right. Yeah. And Mr. Gene Cornegay, he just, this is where Philippians 2 came to life. Yes. Yeah. You know, put others' needs before your own. Uh-huh. Be humble, and it, right that that whole set of scriptures. It just that's when that became one of my life scriptures, if you will. Right. We all have life scriptures, I know, and that is one of mine. Yeah. You know, others' needs before your own, mm-hmm. and uh, not that you neglect your own. Right. But that others' needs come first, mm-hmm. and you always you always look how can I understand better what's going on in their life so that I can accept where they're going. Yeah. And put my needs aside because I'm I know I'm good. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that, that became a life scripture, and that was a big, big moment in my life. I was 34 at the time. Wow. No, yeah. no excuse me. I was 36 at the time. Okay. I was yeah. 34 when I got to Dubai. Yeah. So that was, that was a major, major turning point. Mm. And then, you know, when Conoco's asked me to go overseas, I said three to five years. Right. <laughs> and I lied to my wife and told her three to five years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, six years in, uh, no, five years in, they, they there were two of us that they really liked in Dubai, I guess, on the expat role. And, they said one of you is leaving this year, and the other's going to wait two more years. Right, and it's, it's going to be based on who gets the job offer first. Right, and I didn't get a job offer, which was okay with me. I like Dubai. Yeah. So the other guy left, so we were there two more years. That made seven years in Dubai. So much for three to five. You know, my yeah. wife, my wife figured out I'd lied to her. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like she was having a pretty good time over there. You know, you know the story is uh, when I die, I want I, I don't care if I go to heaven. I don't want to be an expat's wife in Dubai. <laughs> It, it was it was a good life for for in, in Dubai. You know, yeah. there, there, 
yeah, it was harsh. It was hot. Right. But we were well treated, well cared for. Yeah. And suddenly going to, to Disney World was not a financial problem. <laughs> yeah. You were making more money. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, when you're overseas too, like the, you don't, you're not paying income tax on that. Well, you so, don't pay, you don't pay income tax on the extra. The company pays that for you. Yeah. You, know, you, you pay it, but not you. Yeah. Right. They kind of estimate what your income tax would be if you were living in the States and they, they pay the rest they of pay it. it. Yeah. So yes, financially we're, we were doing much better. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we quit wondering why God said Conoco is the answer. Right. Yeah. It became obvious why Conoco was the answer because he was going to use Conoco to move us around the world. Right. Yeah. Now we we didn't know it was going to be after Dubai. We thought we'd go back to Houston or Ponca sure. City or we didn't know where. But I got a call one day and said, "There's two po- two possibilities, Doug: Bulgaria or Turkey." Wow. And so I said, "Well, how long do I have to decide?" He said, "Well, about ten minutes." <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I said, "Well, I'll call you back in five. Yeah. So I called Major and I said, "Uh." Bulgaria or Turkey, where do you want to go? She said, well, I thought three to five. I said, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out it's not three to five, maybe. Yeah. So so we, we, we took Turkey. Turkey, yeah. was, Turkey was available that minute, and Bulgaria was a few months down the road. And right. I, I was ready, quite honest, we were ready to leave. Yeah. God has a way of stirring your heart. Yes. To get you to be willing to accept change when it's coming. Yeah. And we had been, our heart, my heart had been stirring for six months saying, you know, I, this is my seventh year. It's time to go on. I've done, I've done my job here. I've trained my replacement. There's right. no, my replacement was going to be a Dubaian. Uh-huh. And we, that training was done. Yeah. And uh, it was time to go on. Yeah. I wasn't going to learn anymore in that job. Sure. Uh, so, so we were ready for the, for the call. We didn't know where we were going. We thought the States, in yeah. all honesty, but, but Turkey it was, and it was Istanbul. Uh-huh. And if you've been to Istanbul, you know, it's an easy place to love. Yeah, I would love to go. I've heard that it's yeah. just strikingly beautiful, amazing place. The beautiful parts are great. Uh-huh. It's like all big cities. The not beautiful parts aren't. Right. Yeah. But the parts that the expats see are are spectacular. The, yeah. his, the history is deep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So we go there and we we start, we're attending the the Dutch Chapel Church. It was it was a brethren church. Yeah. The mm-hmm. pastor was a South African brethren. Okay. Great, great. No, he was actually the first pastor was a New Zealand brethren. Okay. A Kiwi. Yeah. We love the church. We went there a couple of years. That's where we first learned out, learned that uh, sometimes they serve communion, they use real wine. Yeah. <laughs> In a funny story, my daughter, uh, middle daughter. Yeah. Michelle, the youngest daughter. We're in there having, now Jeff, BJ and Patricia had went to university by then. We right. Were, we were down to two kids at home. Uh-huh. Our first two kids graduated high school in Dubai. Yeah. So we're in Turkey with the two do- the two kids left, and we're serving communion. My daughter walks out mad as mad as I've ever seen her. Yeah, said I can't believe they serve rotten grape juice <laughs> for communion. <laughs> They're going to make us all sick. We're going to die. <laughs> and my wife says uh, that was wine. Yeah, and my youngest son, and he's the adventure someone, the one that that uh, is a bit different. Yeah, he, he's the guy that likes music. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm yeah. a I'm a I math guy. I'm a math guy. Uh-huh. He's a, he's a night and day different from me. Uh-huh. Anyway, he says, there was wine on that thing? <laughs> so anyway, we found he out. He took a whole new interest in communion. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and our, our, our children are all, all saved and baptized overseas, by right. the way. That's uh, awesome. you know, so so they, they, you know, they, they are Christians. But mm-hmm. even then, my youngest son, he, he was interested in wine for communion if it was available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd never had a tasty one to taste. Yeah. <laughs> so we found out that the inner circle, the inner rings were, were grape juice, and the outer row was all wine. Okay. So the rest of the time we took communion there, he took one from the outer row. Okay. And yeah. then we all took from the inner row. Yeah. I, I didn't like the taste of wine either. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was first two years there. And then uh, the pastor left, and we, lo- we loved the new pastor, mm-hmm. but, but our, there was nothing for the kids there. There was no youth program. There were no youth. It was yeah. all older people. Yeah. 
and uh, we found out that there was a little Baptist church in, in the Besiktash, uh-huh. right down on the Bosphorus. And it was basically staffed and, mon- and ran by missionaries from IMB. Yeah, right. And they're still there today. That's awesome. Uh, they might be meeting in a different place now. Uh-huh. But uh, we started going to church there, and we got, in, we got in touch with all the Baptist missionaries in Turkey, if you will, and, and had a fantastic time. Yeah. And, of course, in that process, learned a lot more about the Baptist doctrine and, mm-hmm. and uh, served well there, and, and they, they let us serve well. You know, one of the great things about Baptist is that, you know, you can go pretty much, pretty much, I mean, most places in the world, and if you look hard enough, you can find a Baptist church, because Baptists have done a really great job of sending missionaries out and doing church planning all over the world, you know? Yep. Uh, in fact, that's what Baptists are. We're just a, this collection of, you know, uh this collection of generally like-minded churches that get together to pool our resources so that we can send missionaries out all over the world. And yep. so, um, and, and so I think that's one of the great things about being a Baptist, you know, and, and, you know, and God sent us to, no, I'll tell you why God sent us to that church. And yeah. we, we met a man there, a, fam, uh, a, a man and his wife there, Tom and Marie Nesbitt. And the Tom is a Wayland university graduate from back, right. from back in the fifties. Yeah. 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 He was the age of my parents. Okay. Uh, he was sent over there to kind of be the mom and dad to all the young Baptist missionaries there. Right. To babysit and, and make sure they attended church and you know, do the, do the mom and dad things for right. or the grandma and granddad things maybe. Yeah. Age wise. Yeah. But Tom is maybe the greatest man of God I know personally. Mm, that's uh, awesome. he, he's my Paul, if you will. Yeah. Right. And, uh, we didn't know why we needed to know him at the time, but, when we left Turkey, uh, in t- we were there seven years, uh-huh. six years in Turkey, excuse me. When we left Turkey, uh, we moved back. They said, we're going to send you overseas again to Tripoli, Libya. Okay. But we're gonna, you've got to be in Houston first because we don't own anything in Tripoli, Libya right now. They, the government had taken it away from us when Reagan bombed them. Yeah, right. So we, back, we moved back to Houston, and Jeffrey graduated high school at that time. Uh-huh. And he was living in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And he's our youngest, and he was 19. He wasn't a baby. Yeah. But we say he ran away from home. Yeah. And we found him in California a few a few weeks later. Wow! He just decided he didn't want to live in Bartlesville. It was too too home, too much U.S., not enough foreign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a third culture kid. He was struggling with who he was and where he belonged and where right. he fit. Yeah. Where he lived, people met on the street corner. They sat in coffee shops and drank you know drank coffee and played games for till midnight and yeah. Then went about life. And in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, you closed your doors and went inside. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no out, no nightlife, no evenings at for for families and things. Uh-huh. So it didn't fit him, and he left. And, and you know, at that point in time, my mom and dad were were uh, they were they were obviously Christians, but they they weren't people we went to with problems because they were still living in the Pentecostal holiness life and a bit yeah. a bit more name it claim it than I could be comfortable with. Right. Yeah. So we called Tom and Marie and said, "Can we come visit?" Uh-huh. And uh, they said, "Sure." So we went visiting Tom and Marie there in Ames, Iowa. Uh-huh. At that time, they'd retired finally yeah. at seventy some years old, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, we said, sure, come visit. So we went to visit, talked about our son, and we walked into Tom's office at the church. He'd put him on as a senior counselor type thing at the church. He wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't a pastor there, although he preached sometimes there. But uh, come in my office, and we look in his office, and there's our son's picture on his mantle oh. with all his grandkids. And at that time, I knew I had another father. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom was my spiritual dad, if you will. Yeah. And that's why God put us in Turkey, because he knew that was coming. Yeah. He knew we would need... Tom in our lives. Yeah. Saying, I pray for your son every day. Yeah. He's my grandchild too. Yeah. And what a blessing. Yeah. He, the, 
it, you know, I've had some experiences like that in my life too, Doug, where, where it was clear that God was just orchestrating all these crazy things. I mean, you guys were halfway around the world when you, and, and you could say that, that the reason, you know, that God put you in Turkey was so that you could meet this man, right? Who, who would become such an important part of y'all's life. And, and, uh, I've seen the hand of God move that way in my life at, at, at times too. And, and I just think it's so beautiful to know that God is like concerned about those things in our lives, you know, that, and you're right. Like all of that movement, all of that meeting him, changing churches in Turkey. So that one day, whenever you were really worried about your son and you didn't know what was going on with them and, and you needed someone that would, that could partner with you in prayer for him, there was this person who you knew you could go to. I mean, yep. that's, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't say that Turkey was our time of, of the greatest spiritual growth in, right. in, in our in our walk with Christ because we met great people there, mm -hmm. and Tom and Tom and I would meet on Sunday morning and we would read a psalm or two and, yeah. and pray and and I, I guess the important thing I learned from Tom was the importance of reading the Bible every day. Right. Yeah. You know, being in God's Word and, and uh -huh. I, I I do a pretty good job of that. I'm not perfect. Yeah. But I do a pretty good job of that now and and, and part of that is because of Tom's guidance, yeah. if you will, and, and just encouragement to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, his idea was read uh, read five psalms a day. You know, the well, the day of the day plus thirty, the day plus thirty, and then read a proverb. Yeah. And as you read, pray about what's on your mind for that day. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, that was that was good practice and good, a good experience. So we learned some things, but it was to meet Tom's while we were there. That's right. So we moved back to the states, and like I said, trip to Libya that was supposed to happen, and nine months later it hadn't happened. And my boss said, "Well, you're not really fit to work in headquarters, Doug." Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to send you to Malaysia. Okay. Now now. I guess understand that when, when we went through the working for Conacor or not and things like that, I decided then with Majels with me that we were going to pray to God and just believe that when we prayed, he'd answer. Yeah. And, and he was going to answer in the way he wanted us to move. Mm -hmm. So we didn't doubt that, go, that moving to Malaysia was going to be the next thing. We, we prayed, said, God, should we go? And think, what's going to change? We didn't say, should we go? What's going to change? Because we knew things were changing. I wasn't going to Libya. Yeah. I didn't know what my job would be. Mm-hmm. We said, we're going to pray that the door opens is the one you want to open. Right. And we're going to walk through it unless you shut it in our face. Mm -hmm. So off to Malaysia we go. And in Malaysia there was a Baptist church we went. And uh, we didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And it was a long, yeah. long way yeah. from home. In you can't imagine traffic. And, well, Istanbul is kind of bad. Oh. But Kuala Lumpur is probably worse. No, I, well, I've been to Penang, Malaysia, yeah. and I can't imagine. For, for, if you're listening... Uh, let, let me let me tell you a little bit about. Let me see if I can describe it. So, there you'll have you know normal traffic, cars, buses, stuff like that. But then weaving in and out of all of the cars and buses and everything are hundreds, thousands of motorcycles. And when I say motorcycles, I'm not talking about like the big gold wings. Like you're, you know, I'm talking about these little. They're barely just above a scooter, you know. And and there were. I, I once saw, and you have probably tons of experience like this, I once saw a family of five on one motorcycle. I've seen a family of six. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and I remember another person who, their job was to sell hats on the side of the road, obviously, because they were driving on the motorcycle and probably had on his head, stacked up, maybe 30 hats, like like just stacked up on top of his head. And, I mean, they carry everything, and they're just weaving in and out of traffic, driving. There, there, there might as well not even be any lines. 
they're just weaving it out of traffic and driving through the middle of, of the cars. I mean, it really is terrifying. So, yeah. And, and, and the thing you need to understand also is that the thickness of the chrome on your bumper gives you the right away if that's in front of the that's next right. car. And they'll just, cut, they'll just cut you off. So. Yeah. Uh, we, we were able to drive in those three countries, Dubai, uh, Turkey, and Malaysia. I was, I was able, Major didn't drive much. I drove. I, we had cars, so we were, yeah. we, were, we were driving in that traffic, and it was, it was fun. It was exhilarating. <laughs> it's stressful. <laughs> but anyway, so, so we find that we, well, the Baptist church was really far from home. It was probably an hour trip to get there, an hour trip home, and we said, well, we've always found a community church to go to, so we found a little Presbyterian church. Yeah. We started attending there, and the pastor, we got to know the pastor and, and the we joined that church, uh-huh. and I became a deacon there. So I've been a deacon in the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, you've been a deacon all over the place. This is awesome. So, so any, anyway, uh, but what did we learn in in, uh, in 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 Malaysia that God wanted us to use later? Uh, in Malaysia, Major was introduced to Bible Study Fellowship. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. the, the, they had a really strong Bible Study Fellowship there, and uh, and Major and I led the church in the the Thirty Days of Purpose or. The Rick Warren book. Yes, that, yeah. That, the, purpose-driven yeah, life. Yeah, purpose-driven life. They had us lead the church to set up small groups, and we had a small group in our home, and mm. that was the first time Major and I had, quote-unquote, in, in a church setting worked together. Right, yeah. Now, we attended church. We were active in church and both worked in the church, but we hadn't done a project together as yeah. a couple, and they gave us that opportunity, and uh, we did okay, I think, because some of those small groups are still meeting. Yeah, right. And then we also, they, they had us teach a pre-marriage course. And if you think about Malaysia, for those who don't know, Malaysia is made up of three populations, the, the Baha, Bahasa population, which is the Malay, Malays, uh-huh. Chinese, and Indians. Yeah. You know, 99% of the population falls in all those three categories, split roughly th- a third each. Yeah, right. In all honesty, English was the common language, uh-huh. and the Chinese were, were largely either Christian or Confucius. Yeah. And the Indians were largely Hindu, Hindu. Or, or, or Islam, mm-hmm. and the... Locals were Islam. Yeah. So you have those three predominant religions in, involved. And the, the the church we went to was mostly Chinese. Uh-huh. And a lot of them were first-generation Chinese Christians. Wow. And the pre-marriage course that we ran, we, that we ran for the church in our home, we had the young Chinese couples, you know, they're 23, 24 years old, they're going to get married, and they want to, you know, they want to go through a pre-marriage course first. And we used the alpha marriage course, which was kind of fun. Yeah. It's a date night course plan. Where you you know the family, you come together with your soon to be spouse and you get served a good meal and you you get a topic to talk about and understand and then you come back together and talk about what you're willing to talk about in the crowd to what you've learned yeah and it was a really great experience and uh, we I, I tell people we have grandchildren in Malaysia now yeah yeah because these couples are now obviously married we've been gone since 2008 yeah that's a long time <laughs> been gone 15 years our, our, some of our grandkids are 12 yeah 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 <laughs> and 13 there but. Uh, when I go on mission trips to Cambodia, I always stop in Kuala Lumpur because I got to see my kids and my grandkids that yeah. are there. You know, yeah. I grew up in a close family. I didn't say that earlier, but we have, I have 15 cousins and aunts and uncles. And right. one of my aunts is my other mother, I call her. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. we, we grew up in, in each other's lives. Yeah. And I didn't say this earlier, but I should have. Uh, one thing we missed when we moved was family. Right. And God gives you family where you are. He does. And, yeah. And, you know, we had family in Dubai. We had family in Turkey. In fact, some of our best friends we've made in Turkey, mm-hmm. and we still see them when we can. The Malaysians' friends, we, they're, they're our kids and our grandkids yeah. now. Uh, so we, you know, we have friends, we have family around the world, and that's God's, God's giving us gifts. Yeah. That we don't earn, we don't deserve, but it's fun to get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all honesty. Uh, 
my, my pastor friend Tom that I talked about, he likes to say, and I say the same thing, my boundaries, places have fallen in pleasant places. Yes, right. You know, I can't believe how much God has blessed and, and, uh, and just been so good to me. Right. That doesn't mean there haven't been hard times. I talked about Jeffrey running away. Sure. My, my father died yeah. uh, in 2012. Right. Right before Christmas, mm. and we were living in Kazakhstan. Oh, after after Malaysia, Kazakhstan. Right. We'll come back to that in a minute, though. But my my dad passed away in 2012 in, in Christmas. We had bought the house. We first house we lived here in Shallow. We bought it in 2012 because we liked the house, and the interest rates were really low. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we knew we weren't going to live in it, but we had a couple kids that could. Yeah. Till we could move home, so we bought the house. My wife moved, came home in late October to close on it and get it set up. We had Thanksgiving for our entire family, my entire family that year. Yeah. And we didn't know it at the time, but my dad was kind of got an upset stomach and he stayed a few more days than he intended to. So we had three or four extra days with dad that were just gifts. Yeah. We didn't know they were gifts because we didn't know he was going to die. Yeah. But dad and I had some great conversations about religion, about God and just about life. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get home for his funeral. Man. I was sitting in a snowstorm in, in Denver. Yeah. Trying to get home. I tried. Right. But God didn't need me there. He, he had other people taking care of that. Yeah. But so, so the, you know, there have been hard times. Sure. There have been no, no Job times. Mm-hmm. The, with the senior adults, we did Job chapter three today. Try to find something good in Job chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to because I'm, I'm doing the tomorrow night. We're starting the Francis Chan uh, study on Job, and so we'll be we'll be we'll be we'll be doing it. So I'm about to about to have to walk through it with our folks. Too. We're, 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 that was our lesson today. Was lesson three, not Francis Chan's, because right. they came out. We we started with Derek Thomas. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're, we're doing the Presbyterian version. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, no, that's great. I uh, <coughs> I just think about your story, Doug, and I just think about how you know how you guys have can really look back at your life and see how the hand of God was moving in each one of these different phases of, of your life, you know? And, uh, and then you end up, you know, back, back here in, uh, in the States and in shallow water. What, what it, was it that brought you to Lubbock? Did you have kids that went to Texas tech or how did you end up here in Lubbock, in okay. the Lubbock area? Okay. Well, our oldest son, uh, graduated from Baylor. Okay. And his wife, Paula graduated from tech. Okay. With their bachelor's degrees. Yeah. They met somehow through a friend inviting them to to get together, and they met and and they got married. Yeah. And Paula's a shallow water girl. Okay. You know she went all through school here. Her yeah. Only child. Her her father passed away shortly after they got married, so her mom's her mom was here without any kids. Right. Sort of without any family, if you will, because yeah. with an only child, and she has a spur spur spurs where they're from, so that's right. that's home for Paula's family. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So so anyway that. The grandkids were here. That's why. Yeah, that's exactly. That's all the reason you need, isn't it? Well, that was what we thought at the time. Now, in, yeah. in, in time, 2016 rolls around, and I retire, uh-huh. and uh, we say, "Where are we going to move to?" And we'll shallow watch where the grandkids are. And yeah, of course, that was God's plan. We didn't know it was God planning us to be here at the time. We said, well, we're going to go. We found this church, loved it, yeah. joined it uh-huh. in 2016. Went shortly after I retired, and we're here. Be- I say we're here because of grandkids, but the reality is we're here because God wanted us here. Yeah. So to continue doing what he wants us to do for him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to quickly touch on Kazakhstan. Okay, yeah, do it. Uh, we, we, 2008, July 8th, 2008, to be precise, mm-hmm. uh, headed to a wedding, one of those Chinese couples. Yeah, yeah. That, the pre-marriage, they were getting married July 8th, 2008. They, they choose that day because eights are good luck in, okay. in Chinese. Yeah. Well, they were Christian, but they still had the hair to the culture. Sure, yeah. 
going for him. So that's a good day. Eight, mm-hmm. Eight's a good number. Four's a bad number. Eight's a good number. <laughs> so anyway, we, we were headed to the wedding, and my boss had said, you're going to get a phone call. And once again, you know, you we knew what that meant. We, we knew, we knew it was time. And I guess about this time, God had got me. I was so frustrated with traffic. Yeah. I was ready to move just because traffic was driving me batty. <laughs> <laughs> so God uses all kinds of things to prepare you for, for sure. what, he, what he has in future for you. So anyway, we, uh, I, I get a phone call and I, I pull off the road under one of those overpasses and take the call. And the guy says, uh, have you ever heard of Atira, Kazakhstan? I said, nope. <laughs> He said, Did well, you know Kazakhstan was a country? Uh, because there's this whole big, you know, there, there's a movie that came out not too long ago that kind of was making fun of yeah. that, you know, that this guy pretends to be from Kazakhstan because nobody even knows where it yeah. is. But it's a huge country. I mean, it, it's, you know. It's, it's, it's one of the uh, third or fourth largest country in the world. It's big. It's yeah. a big country. Maybe ninth, it's, it's, but it's, it's not a little. Yeah. yeah. It makes India look little. <laughs> right, yeah. It, maybe almost China size. Yeah, it's, I, it's bet, big. I bet that's right. It's, yeah. it's a pretty good size. Anyway, uh, I didn't know where it was, but he said, well, it's on the Caspian. I don't know where the Caspian was because that's oil. You know? Right. Yeah. There's some oil there. So he said, well, that's where we're going to offer you the next job at. He said, we thought about Saudi Arabia, but we decided Kazakhstan's where you're going. Yeah. And now this time, now I've been overseas, what, seven years in Dubai, six years in Turkey, five years in Malaysia. Yeah. Four years in Malaysia. So that's 17 that's years. 17 and, years. Yeah. And I, two to, remember, three to five. So right. what, they, what they'd asked for. <laughs> they had not offered me a job in the States. Yeah. Since I left the States. Right, right. I didn't know why. <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> like I said, I wasn't fit for the headquarters politics. Yeah. I'd gotten, I'd gotten used to being out on the, in the field. Yeah. Anyway, so they offered me a job there, and, and we went. Uh, took, took nine months to get there. We, wow. they, we were in Bartlesville for a couple, of year, a couple of months waiting on work permits. Yeah. They finally gave up on that and sent us to Paris for nine months. Okay. So we lived in Paris for nine months. I, didn't, I never mentioned that. We lived in Paris for nine months. Paris in the springtime is not as beautiful as the song. Yeah. It, it, rain, it rains in the springtime in Paris. <laughs> August in the springtime and all the Parisians leave. That's when yeah. to be there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's a side note. So finally got my work permit, but it wasn't for Atiraz, for Astana, the capital city. Uh-huh. Uh, Astana's in Siberia, effectively. Yeah. Minus 45 in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't get too hot in the summer. Summers are okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere. Uh, second coldest capital city in the world, right behind Mongolia's capital. Wow. So anyway, we're there. We're there five years. Uh, no church. Wow, for five years. No, no English-speaking church. Yeah. There were Russian-speaking churches, and they would translate for you if you went. Right. But they did not want to become an expat church. Yes. Because they want to be Russian churches. Yeah. So we had home church uh-huh. uh, We in our home. Uh, we started in someone else's home. They moved, and it became... In our home, then, because we were a safe place. Again, we're there because the government wants us there, right? And so we always, but we always served a meal with at home church because if the knock on the door came from the government, well, what are you doing? Well, we're having a meal and just a, a gathering, yeah, you know, discussing things. And so uh, Kazakhstan was, uh, com- was it? Is it a communist country at this point? Is it? It's. What, I would say they, they say they're democracy. Right. But, but when the president wins the election by 98%, you wonder. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, so, uh, the, but I know that like folks over there often experience religious persecution. Is the, is the, is it a majority Muslim country is majority atheist? It's, it's, you know, communist? It's, I would say it's pagan Islam, yeah. pa- pagan, pa- pagan, uh, Muslims. Okay. Uh, much like parts of the world are pagan Christian at this stage. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, yes, it was Islam was is the state religion, if you will. Uh-huh. Although they claim not to have one, right? 
Uh, they recognize the Orthodox Russian uh, fairly yeah. easily. Uh-huh. There are some fairly active and large Christian churches, Protestant churches, yeah, with Russian with Kazakh pastors. Yeah. In fact, there's one there we're still in touch with regularly that uh, there is yeah. persecution. You've been praying for yeah. him. He was, yeah. The pastor was arrested. Yeah. yeah. He's been released right now again, but there's another pastor that was actually put in prison for serving communion. Wow. Because they said you're a cannibal. They accused him of cannibalism. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, there's the problems there. But but what we learned there was the, just the joy of small fellowship, you know, right. the, the important. And, and, you know, we had some dear friends there. We were we were working really hard and, and we were praying, God, we need helpers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God sent a man and his wife, and I, I, I say about Richard, he's a bull in a china closet yeah. <laughs> with a good heart. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and God sent us Richard and, and Paula, and uh, again, he supplied family. Mm-hmm. We didn't make a lot of close friends in, in Kazakhstan. It was a harsh, harsh assignment. Yeah. I'm going to say this about being an expat. For the man or the, the employee, uh-huh. it's not a huge change. You get, right. up at, you get up and you go to work, you come home, and you do some house business, and you go to sleep and do the same thing tomorrow. Yeah. But for the spouse... The one yeah. that stays home, you know, they face the hardships that that. Uh, so if Majel's telling this story, it's a different story. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, she Cause, had, she faced a lot more hardships than I did. Yeah, I mean, you were around English speaking people most of the day, but yeah. she couldn't really function in in uh, most of the places where she needed to function were places that were culturally completely different, language yeah. different, everything. Yeah. So we're in our fifties by now, and uh, I think Kazakhstan is probably the first time. I started teaching adult classes type things, mm-hmm. you know, because I led the Bible, I led the home church a lot. Yeah, Major and I together, but I, I mostly. Uh, she, she helped, of course. She's uh-huh. a vital part of what, what what I do. She's the most important part of what I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, she keeps me doing what I do. Yeah, because <laughs> sometimes I'd quit. Right. But uh, you know, so, so that, that's probably the first time I started actually teaching adults. Now, yeah, I was fired in Dubai. I was fired from teaching Sunday school. Oh wow! To, to the kids, my okay. wife fired me. <laughs> Your own life fired you. That's awesome. I, I messed up, and, and I, I, I told the kids that were kind of rowdy one day. I said, just shut up. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's not acceptable. You can't, you can't do that. That's not acceptable, I found out. <laughs> I am not a kid's, I'm not a kid's teacher. Right, yeah. <laughs> that is clear. So it, but that's the first time I got involved in that. So God, God's plan was there. Right. And again, he's preparing me for the next step, which was Russia. Sure. And, uh, you know, I thought by now Shirley Conoco was going to send me home. And, mm-hmm. But I got a call and said, well, you come to Russia. Yeah. You come to live in Moscow for a couple of years. Okay. We're closing out. We, we Basically, we had sold Kazakhstan, yeah. what we own there. And uh, we had some stuff still going on, but minor. And they said, you're going to go up and sell our Russia properties. Yeah. It'll take a couple of years. And I said, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. So anyway, I went to, I went to Moscow, or to Russia, to Moscow. And we lived there two years, effectively. Yeah. And we'd been there. For just a few weeks, we found an English-speaking church that met in a library, if you will. Yeah. And uh, it was a small church, probably about 100 people, mostly, uh-huh. mostly Russian. Yeah. But they translated the English, the English pastor's words into, into Russian, into had Russian. a translator. Yeah. Which was really cool because that meant a 10-minute sermon was 20 minutes. Right. So, yeah. Or a 20-minute sermon was only 10. Yeah, yeah. Or 15 because sometimes a Russian took longer to say. <laughs> we don't know what they said. Yeah. So anyway, we attended that church and... We joined because we, we like to join. We like to be part of the part of the body, and we want to be right. as much a part as we can be. And I don't know what denomination you would say it was, but it didn't matter. They were Christian. Yeah. And you know that's that's one thing I grew out of all this knowledge I have is that that uh, denominations aren't important. Right. What's important? Do you believe the God's word? Right. And do you live? Do you try to live God's word? Yeah. And uh, I, there's parts we can interpret differently, and that's okay. Sure. There's some things you, if you interpret differently, I can't go there. Right. Yeah. 
And I, we all know some of I think we know what those things are. Sure. So anyway, uh, been there a few months and what I'd call the senior pastor. There wasn't a pastor. There was no paid staff because mm-hmm. it wasn't big enough. There wasn't enough money to, to pay a staff. Yeah. He come to me and said, he said, we need one more speaker on Sunday morning. Yeah. I said, well, uh, no. <laughs> and that was it. I was done. I wasn't, the answer was no. I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I kept hearing God say, uh, did you ask me? Right. Yeah. And I've had a habit of not asking God when I didn't want the answer. Yes. You know, yeah. if, I, if I know the answer, but I don't want it, I want to ask. That's right. But God said, you, you didn't ask me, Doug. You mm-hmm. didn't ask me if no was the answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, no is not the answer. The answer is yes. Yeah. So I had to call Steve back up and say, uh, God told me to tell you the answer was yes, and I just didn't know it yet. Yeah. And I did know it. But, right. Because I, I knew I was supposed to say yes, but I didn't want to. Right. Because I, I have a fear of speaking in public. Mm-hmm. I never have really got totally over it. It's gotten easier. Yeah. So that was where the first time I actually spoke in front of any more than like 10 people. Right. And that was unusual for me. I didn't, I wasn't, I avoided speech class all through high school. <laughs> like the plague. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and that, I, I would say that is where suddenly when you're teaching in front of a congregation, if you will, Spending a lot more time getting ready for it became way more important. Mm, yeah, I can remember writing out word for word what I was going to say and then send it to Steve. Is there anything in here that's just flat out wrong? Right, yeah. Because I do not want to be wrong. Yeah. I don't want to lead people down a path they shouldn't go down. Right. And he'd always write back very encouraging words. No, this is spot on. This is good. Yeah. And I will say that's where the book of Job became important to me because the Russians were going through a economic uh, crisis. The ruble right. was falling like a rock and the... The Russian, the church was largely Russian Christian, and they were wondering about why is this happening? How are we going to get through this? Yeah, and it was an elder and elder led church, if you will. There, mm-hmm. there was there was elders, and they decided some teaching on God's sovereignty might help. Right, and they assigned me the Book of Job. <laughs> yeah, and you know it, it took me about a month to get that lesson ready. And, and yeah, the, but Job became so alive at that stage. Right, God's sovereignty is just so obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't have to answer questions. No. Yeah. And, he do, and he doesn't in Job. Yeah. He just leaves Job alone. I still don't know why it happened. Yeah, his answer to Job was, trust I'm me. God. And, and right? trust me. Just yeah. trust me. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Here's, what, here's what I have done. Mm-hmm. You can see that. Yeah, right. Can you do that? No, I couldn't. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> then why question him? Yeah. So anyway, so that, that was where Job became such a, a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. God, so God uses things yeah. to bring you to where he wants you to be. And that was that was why we were in Russia, I guess, was that, so God could teach me that I had more capabilities than I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. And I still, I still doubt it, but uh, God keeps trying. Well, I mean, he taught you that a bunch of different ways and, and at a bunch of different times in, in your life. Because, you know, you, you've already said it, but, you know, a uh, little guy from, you know, Ponca City, you know, Oklahoma lived in Ponca City or was from mm-hmm. Kansas, you know. and then But you spent most of your adult life, you know, living all over, all over, the, all over Asia, you know. And that's just uh, only the Lord does something like that, you yeah, know. Yeah, and three to five years became twenty-five. Right. In reality, yeah. You know, Nineteen ninety-one to two thousand sixteen, we lived in the states less than a year altogether. Right. And never permanently. We were always in temporary housing. We we never, it was never permanent. Yeah. And then two thousand sixteen comes around, and I look around and I say, you know, God has blessed me. Right. And I'm in a position where I can retire a bit younger than some, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to serve. More, more, uh, more as a volunteer, full time doing God's stuff instead of my stuff. Yeah, and shallow water became that place. Mm-hmm. And you get to be around your, 
get to be around your kids. And the grandkids were there, yes. Yeah, which is which is an added added and, blessing. And most of the kids, you know, the, the, all all four of the kids were here for six years. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what you know, and we we like each other. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we hang out together. Well, that's the other thing that happens too. I think when you when you have lived internationally as a family is it does help you be a close knit family, you know, because when you're kind of transplanted in the middle of a different culture, you know what I mean? Your, your, you know, your, your unit, your family unit becomes super important. That's your place of fellowship, you know? Yep. And, uh, and so it can be, a, it can really help you be, be a close knit family unit for sure. So. Uh, yeah. One, one last real growing point in our, in our Christian walk for Major and I both, we both walked through this one together. Yeah. Um, Major's mom died of Alzheimer's. Yeah. Uh, couple years back now mm-hmm. we got back just in time to see her begin to go downhill right and uh as we saw that coming her start, my major stepdad told me he said doug he said when the time comes for her to have to go into a home for her own safety i won't be able to do that you'll have to yeah and that meant that we had to do things that were hard to do mm-hmm. we had to take guardianship over her because to, to be able to do it we had because he wouldn't he, he couldn't he said i can't sign the papers you'll have to you'll have to have the legal obligation to take care of her at that stage yeah so we went through that process, and that was that was hard because Majel's family was against it, and her stepdad was against it largely. Yeah. Even though he asked us to do it. Right. But, and we didn't do it until she ran away from home. Right. You know, we waited as long. We waited too long. Right. We waited until she got a hold of the car keys and left. Yeah. We had we were we're, we're children who have had the silver alert out on a parent. Yes. Right. You know, and, and uh, but as we did as we walked through that and went through the court cases to get all the stuff done. We're in the we're in the court and the judge is asking questions and and uh, we're sitting there. We don't want to have to say Marie needs this mm. because it. You know, she, we love Marie. We love Angel's yeah. mom. She was special, and uh, so we said, "How are we going to explain? How are we going to be able to do this and say we have to do this?" And Pete, her, my her step major stepdad, started talking about about his life and what he was able to do. And, and the further he went, the more it became apparent he couldn't take care of her either. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, we didn't have to say a word. The judge right. just signed the papers. Yeah. And as we're walking out of the uh, the, the courtroom, Majel's mom looks up at Majel. Majel's mom was short. She was a little, a little woman. By now, she's littler than she was uh-huh. a few years back. But anyway, so you're in charge of me now? Majel says, well, I, I guess so, Mom. She says, good, you'll take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, immeasurably more. Mm-hmm. Immeasurably more. Than you could ask or imagine. You know, yeah. God does that all the time, and we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. And you know, He did it again just a few few days ago for Majel and I. We're driving down the road, and we're talking about Majel's nephew, who's an alcoholic and mm-hmm. drug drug problems, and mm-hmm. and we hadn't heard from him for several months. Yeah. And uh, I guess you could say we're remiss for not calling him more often, but you never know what you're going to get a hold of when you call him, yeah. and how he's going to be, right? And what he's going to need, yeah. and can you help or not? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, you can't help an alcoholic until yeah. he's ready to be helped. That's right. You can give them money, but that, but then that no, doesn't that's, help. That's the worst thing to do sometimes. You, know, you can pay their rent, which does help, mm-hmm. but you can't, you know, you can't, uh, you can't help them until they want help. So we kind of almost lost touch with them. But we were driving down the road talking about Chris and saying, "Oh, we need to, we need to get a hold of Chris." Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, both of us get a text message from Chris. Wow! New phone number. Yeah. You know, he lost his phone because he couldn't pay the bill and got a new one. Yeah. And then ten minutes later, Major gets a call and we have a, a good conversation with Chris. And you know, we, yeah. We didn't know we'd lost lost his number. Right. Had no but, idea. So we're talking about saying we need to find a way to get a hold of him and we need to call him and mm-hmm. God took care of it immeasurably yeah. more. You know, yeah. it, it may seem little, but it wasn't to us. It was major. Mm-hmm. We hadn't even asked God for it. Yeah. Boom. 
There it was. I well, love I love how God works. Well, and I think seeing the Lord's hand move, you know, that way in your life. The thing is, He's always doing stuff. Yep. Doug, the, the 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 our problem usually is that our eyes really aren't open to seeing it. You know, we we God's at work all around us, and uh, but oftentimes we're we're so busy or we're so focused on other things that we're not noticing these things that the Lord's doing. You know, we're taking credit for what He is doing. That's right. Yeah, which we I'm terrible about doing for sure. So. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the, that's the, I think the, the amazing thing now you, when you get it to be a little older, you know, like us, we can, we have the, the luxury of looking back and seeing how God has moved all these times when you're younger and you're kind of going through the, all these things for the first time, it's, you know, it's a little tough because that moment that you're in feels like, you know, it feels like the end of the world or it feels like, yeah. you know, there's. You know, and you can real, you can feel isolated, you can feel hopeless, you can despair, you know. Yep. And it's good to be around people who have the experience and the wisdom to say, no, look, I've, I, I've, I've seen the Lord at work in the land of the living. I've been around a long time. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Yep. You know, I've, I, I've experienced the goodness of God. And, um, and, and he will not, has not left you or abandoned you, never will. And, that, and it's, I've, that's, you know, I, I would hear those things when I was younger. Yep. <clears throat> I didn't always know them to be true based on my circumstances at the time. Yep. But because I was hearing them from people I trust, I would lean into that and believe that. And then over the course of my life, God's really proved it to be true. So, yeah. and, and, you know, you're exactly right. The, 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 the older you get, the more hard times you've experienced. Right. But the more times you can look back and say, that was hard, but now I know why. Yeah. I, you don't always get that benefit. You don't always understand why. But sure. But the more times you see the whys, the easier it is to trust God for the next why. Mm-hmm. No doubt, yeah. And so I guess being a Christian gets easier in a way. Well, and what we know, too, is that we know experientially that God is faithful and He yep. can be trusted. And, um, you know, th- that's the whole point of the all of the, you know, of, of Israel chronicling its history. And, and you know, uh, the whole point was so that... So that you know, the people of God could look back over their history and they could see this thread all the way through of how the, how God was wor- at work among them and what he was doing among them, you know? And, um, you know, he would, they, they would pile up a, a stack of stones yep. as a monument, Ebenezer, right? This yep. is, this is, uh, this is to remind us of what the Lord did for us at this point. Right here, right there. Yeah. That's right. And so, and so, uh, so we have those in our lives too. We can look back and and we can see the steadfastness of God. And then what that allows us to do is to communicate that to other people and say, "Look, here's the thing. I know God is faithful. I know He's faithful because I've experienced His faithfulness over the course of a lot of years. You know, and um, and that's good news. You know. Yep. And you know, as far as right now today, you know, our major nice joy of life right now is working with the senior adults. We, mm-hmm. just, you know, yeah. we, we had no idea. I had no idea. That I loved old people as much as I did, <laughs> and I'm and I'm getting older myself, which may be why. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's such a delight to be around these people who've been faithful to God for right. 70, 80 years. Yeah, yeah. And they're in their early nineties, some of them, right. and still serving God well. I mean, yeah. what what a testimony it is to God's goodness to be around them and to understand just how much they understand God's love. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, you know how wide and deep and high, long. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I, I I love it. It's yeah. just being around these people is is good for me. Yeah. That's another gift from God is allowing me to be around these people and under, get to understand them more. Right. Yeah. Uh, God is good. He is. He's very good. He's good all the time. Yeah. And uh, 
So listen, Doug, thank you so much for sitting down and sharing your story. Um, uh, what a, a lot of fascinating, interesting stuff. You know, you, you could probably do a whole other podcast on each one of those places that you've lived and the, and the people and the culture and all the things that you experienced there, which would be fascinating in and of itself. But I appreciate you spending a little bit of time just talking about the love of God with us, for sure. Yeah. And, and not to make you nervous, but we're about to move, move into the stand, in the shallow water longer than anywhere I've ever lived wow. <laughs> since we got married. So, you know, we're, we're close to this being the longest, uh, and we're not planning on leaving. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Doug. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you for joining us on the the podcast. Uh, uh, thank you for tuning in and and listening. I know uh, I know that there's been some of some stuff here that Doug has talked about that's been an encouragement to you. Um, if uh, if there's any way that we can be praying for you uh, at our church, there'll be a link uh, for uh, in the description of this episode. You can click on that, and we'd we'd be happy to to lift you up in prayer. But thank you once again for, for joining us. And, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week with another fascinating, interesting, exciting guest. Uh, but until then, we'll see you around town. Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you around town.